All right, I got a question for both of you. Can you help speak into, you know, a lot of uh, conversations that I have with race and friends and communities that I'm involved with, they're very hesitant to get into the conversation. And they're hesitant because of fear of saying something that's offensive. Because they, they're not meaning to be offensive, but maybe something they say at some point is offensive. And so I, my fear is that a lot of people are not entering the conversation at all. So can we, I would love to hear y'all's thoughts on, you know, basically encourage people to have the conversation. And then maybe that'll probably allude into like a cancel culture type of uh, conversation. But yeah, what would you say to somebody that's just like, how do I get into the conversation without offending someone? Yeah, I think that first thing to is just to get your motive right. That the motive needs to be love. Let's use a metaphor. Let's say that you're trying, to, you want to learn Spanish because you love Spanish, Hispanic people. Um, but at first you don't know Spanish well. So then you could be like nervous that, like, well, okay, I've been reading a little bit of Spanish in a book, but now I'm nervous to get into a conversation because I might say something wrong. And if you use that fear as a reason not to engage, then you're never going to learn Spanish. Like, you have to at some point enter in, motivated by love, and, and the purpose can't be because you want to, you know, look good in that situation. It has to be about something bigger. It has to be about entering into relationship and pursuing another person who's worth, sorry, uh, pursuing another person who's worth knowing. Black people are worth knowing. They are not just equal, made in God's image and uh, equal. They, they're like worth knowing. Like you can, uh, let me put this the right way. Black people can give something to your life God can do something in your life through what they bring to the world and the way, the unique ways that uh, the perspectives they bring, the ways that they bear God's image, you are losing something if you are not engaging. You're losing a part of um, who God is and the goodness of what he's put into the world in the perspective of black people. So press in despite the fact that you might say something wrong because it's worth it, but, but it can't be about your own desire to justify yourself and be like woke that's if because that's still about you if you're trying to be woke so that you can feel good about yourself that's still centering yourself that's still about you it has to be love that desires to seek and pursue and know black people um, and one of the, one other thing to say is um, when you're talking to black people um, not, not every white person is ready to go befriend a bunch of black people. If you are in a place where you are still in your heart wanting to convince black people that they're not oppressed, then you're not ready to go make black friends. You first need to read and figure out America's actual history and the reality of oppression in our country because you're not loving black people by going and giving them a bunch of right-wing talking points about how uh, black on black crime and how it's all their fault. Like that is not true and it's not loving um, and it's just going to exhaust them. I mean, that's like uh, we with like the Me Too movement, we've seen how uh, women who are raped um, or sexually assaulted or, um, you know, any kind of, uh, uh, what's it called? I don't know. The women who are raped or sexually assaulted, they oftentimes are just meet, are, are met with skepticism that just says, Let, prove to me that you were a victim and then we can talk. And how that's 
not helpful. That uh, that people who are victims should not have to prove that they're victims before they get your compassion. So if that's what you're trying to make black friends uh, to do is just to like get into debates about politics, then you need to step back and you need to just like read some books. Um, but if you're in a place where uh, where you are ready to love, then press in and don't make it about you and whether you say something wrong at some point. That's not the point. It's about you having friends because it's worth it. And so, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. And I have white friends that they are doing the true work. Um, And it is, as I always say, it's messy, but it's worth the investment, just like any relationship that you want to sustain. Um, But a lot of times, white people will engage in the conversation to exploit black people and maybe not, maybe uh, subconsciously, but they're feeling some type of void in themselves versus approaching black people with the heart and desire to be humble and to really step into the burden that they carry. So, and you see this on both sides. You see it when they want to prove every prove to you that you're wrong about everything. And sometimes they'll do it in the nicest way. I've had white people, uh, I would love to invite you over for dinner. I, w- I would love to have you over for lunch. I would love to have you over for coffee. And you can hear in their language and in their posture that, so I can teach you that you're wrong. I mean, I've gotten so much of that. Oh, I, you know, soaked and drenched in all of the sweet sappiness, but arrogant, prideful, disrespectful. Um, But then also, I've seen so many white people who are trying to be woke, who exploit black people, and they know all the language, they know all the things to say, and yet they are centering themselves um, and they are making this whole movement about them. I've seen both sides of that. And, you know, I have a saying, like, God is not mocked and Black people are not fooled. Like, nobody's stupid. We know Black people, people in general know when someone's being disingenuous or when someone's being genuine. So it literally is a setting aside of yourself. And you have to realize when we're asking people to lay aside their privilege and leverage their privilege, We're doing it all, like we don't even have privilege and we're doing it all the time. We have to be always conscious and aware of your whiteness and our blackness and the ways that our blackness could be deemed as a threat um, and could be brought under suspicion or put under the microscope, microscope. We have to always walk in awareness of that. We have to, you know, people say, oh, I don't see color. We have to always walk in awareness of our color and that it could be a threat to someone. And so I just think, you know, don't use black people as a badge to say you've done the work. We're not objects. We're beating hearts. We are souls. We're not lab rats. We're not experiments. And we're not responsible to shoulder your emotions. Um... Yeah, that's and, and and you know there's we talk about cancel culture 
And for black people, I think it's just a little bit different because we live in a culture that we can't cancel. Like, we live in a culture where our culture is continuously canceled um, to subject ourselves to the mainstream culture. And so a lot of times black people have to engage what was some what what in what some people would say, oh, you know, that's cancel, cancel culture. You don't want to hear me. There's an element of self-care that has to happen. Black people have to um, engage in self-care by taking a step away from a culture that cancels us every day via microaggression, via silence, complicity, um, ignorance, apathy, and really just, we're basically a culture that makes, renders us invisible. And so there are times where I have to tell white people, like, I can't engage in this conversation. Um, and I won't allow myself to be demanded to engage because I have to take care of myself. And it's weird because so many times white sisters and brothers will put that on your shoulders and they'll be like, well, I'm trying. Well, I'm not responsible for your effort. I'm not responsible for you trying. Good. Keep trying. You can try over there. You know, because I got to take care of myself because by default, you're taking care of yourself and you get to pick and choose when you engage in the conversation. While I live it every day, while I am having to be aware of my blackness and your whiteness and shoulder it in a way that you'll never understand. So if I decide that I don't want to engage in a conversation or if I walk away from a conversation Sometimes that's going to be because I need to protect my sanity and I need to guard my heart. And so I think that not all cancel culture uh, is created equally because I think that black people sometimes have to engage and block and unfollow and mute because we're dealing with trauma. And what white people don't understand is that we are walking hand in hand oftentimes, every day with our oppressor. We're walking, like we're walking, we're, we're doing life with oppression that is not being put behind bars, that is not being brought, brought to justice, that is not being held accountable. And then we have to carry the burden of educating. We have to carry the burden, uh, shoulder the burden of giving, uh, giving, extending grace and allowing time and being patient and all those things that nobody else is responsible for, just us, just us. It's like, would you tell a rape victim, be patient? <laughs> well, you know, just you need to extend great. Like, would you, it's so, the language that's used towards black people that you would never insert in any other, um, in any other scenario. Um, and so black people don't have to talk to you is what I would tell white sisters and brothers. Like, if, you, if you're going to do the work, you're going to have to really do the work and um, you're going to have to, um, engage in ways that are uncomfortable because you you need to realize that black people are walking and sitting in that discomfort in a, every day. Like when you walk into a room, I have white friends that are like, am I going to be the only white person there? 
I'm like, welcome to my world. I'm the black, only black person there most of the time. Like, you'll be all right for however many couple of hours that you got to sit in here. You know, it's like, t- think about your level of discomfort and think about how oftentimes black sisters and brothers are having to sit in that and deal with that and shoulder that on a, on a routine basis where you get to come and insert yourself and take yourself out and go tend to your, you know, your privilege. So white people, assignment for you. If you get into the work of pointing out uh, the sins of uh, white culture, both present and in the past, you're going to pretty quickly realize that the common reaction is uh, white people just getting defensive. And black people deal with that all the time. Uh, where If they're in a conversation with white people who start to like say, no, you're not really oppressed, um, whatever they say, the white people are going to get defensive too. And it's not very common to have just humble reactions. Uh, just like if you say something wrong, if you say something that's insensitive and you don't word something the right way, hurt a black person's feelings, and they tell you that and confront you on that, they are expecting you to get defensive because that's what pretty much always happens. And so prepare your mind in advance and make it a goal to respond humbly and repentantly when you are told that you have said something that's racially insensitive. Because it's going to happen. Like You're going to... It's a sensitive conversation. You're going to say things that aren't worded in the way that's the most helpful. And go into it looking, like make it a game for yourself that like, I can't wait till I have an opportunity to be humble when I'm confronted with something I've done that's insensitive. Like be excited about that because that's the opportunity that you have in that moment where you're confronted, you've said something that's hurtful. That's where you really get to show your love. And that's where trust is built. Yeah. With that, hu- that, that humility, that's where trust is built. Um, and I've had white friends step into that space. And those are my, those are my friends. Mm-hmm. Those are my real friends that engage in that messy work where we are having true dialogue because mm-hmm. people think it's going to be solved by going to lunch. It's not going to be solved by going to lunch because mm-hmm. <laughs> the investment of relationship takes more than a meal. Mm-hmm. And it takes more than you know, going up and shaking someone's hand mm-hmm. or, you know, it, it, because everybody does that. That's, you know, we're just, that's social graces. Mm-hmm. That's just being polite. Um, the, the work comes when, you know, all bets are off and, you know, you're in a space together and you've, you've committed an offense and you get to show, you have an opportunity to show that, man, I did commit an offense but let me make it right. Let me restore and let me show you, you know, how much I love you. Mm-hmm. There is a burden of proof and as there should be on white sisters and brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where you show what your real motive is. There you go. While you're pressing in. Yeah. It's like, that's where you show it's not about you. And if, yes. if your response is to get defensive, uh, and I mean, look at conversations you've had in the past, and if you see a pattern of you getting defensive interactions, like realize there's some work you got to do in your heart there because if your real motive is not about you it's about loving then that shouldn't be like the response 